pray together. Lord God, we are grateful that it is by your love that has been revealed in your grace in the gospel. That, that we are held together, we are bound together in the power of the Holy Spirit to the praise of the Father in your name, Lord Jesus. And that gospel hope, it, it empowers us because you have been raised. You're raised. You're the living Christ. And your resurrection powers that work through us in your spirit. And having been redeemed, having been pardoned from sin, we now have a righteous standing before you. And we can come before your throne of grace and we can worship you. And we can know that you hear us and we can hear from you. And so would you now, Lord God, speak uh, through your word, through your servant, to the hearts and minds of, of your people and to those, God, that you're calling out to be those that, that belong to you. Do this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this year we are, we're talking about the fact that we're better together. And what we're understanding is in order to really be together, we've got to go from a mindset that says it's all about me to understanding that it's about what we are together doing for the glory of God. And that change is significant. Boy, our culture is really going to press against us and, and really um, try to, in some ways, tempt us to, to not accept this reality that we are better together because it's easier to pick us off. It's easier to pick you off if you're out there isolated. It's easier to get you discouraged. It's easier to get you negative and away from the good things that God is doing and to see the good, even in tough times that God is doing, if you're alone. And so the last thing the enemy of God wants to see happen is for people to be better together. Because when we're better together in our weakness, we come together, we form as a body. It's in that we're strong. And the enemy frets over this. And so what he wants to do is to distract us, to keep us from it. And one of the things he really wants to keep us from is doing the very thing God created us to do. As a matter of fact, the very thing that the enemy was created to do was to bring glory to God. But the sin and the war in heaven occurred, and we have demons today because the greatest angel did not want to worship God, but rather to be worshipped. And, and what happened in the fall? Well, same thing. Rather than worshipping the one that was truly worthy of worship, we wanted to divide our own terms and do what we wanted. And so God, in His grace, He didn't abandon us. Instead, He revealed Himself to us. And even in His law, we understand the importance of worship. And here's something I want you to really understand as we're going through this series. I'm going to try to say it enough that, that it sticks in our hearts and minds. But understand this. You are a worshiper because God made you to worship. Everybody in this room is a worshiper. Everybody in this town is a worshiper. Every human being made in the image of God is a worshiper. Here's the question. What are you going to worship? It's not, are you going to worship? The question is, who or what are you going to worship? God knew that this would be the battle. And so when he gave us the law, the first four parts of the Big Ten have to do with worship. That should tell us something. That should tell us something significant, that having been made to worship, we really have to be mindful of what and who it is we worship, because we're going to worship. The question is who. So when we look at what God created us to do, and we understand His will is that we worship, He gave us the Ten Commandments, and the first four, I want you to look at this with me, the first four uh, commandments really speak to worship. Look at commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. What's God saying? I'm the one that's supposed to be worshipped. 
Don't create another God. Don't pursue another God. Don't try to make yourself a God. Understand there is one God revealed himself in three persons. And God the Father is to be worshipped in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Okay, that's it. Well, that's good. I thought there was something else that's really powerful. So, so what we have to understand is God knows we're going to have a tendency to make something else our God. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's our income. Maybe it's our looks. Some of us don't struggle with that as much. Some, it's, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's your kid. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your reputation. Listen, we are all tempted to make something temporal our God. The thing that gives us hope, the thing that gives us purpose, the thing that we praise and worship and pursue at, at, at the expense of all other things. God says that should be Him. God said that He is worthy of our worship, that we should put nothing else in front of Him. And understand, anytime you take even a good thing and put it before God, what you've done is you've made an idol out of that good thing, and that's disobedience to God. So you got to be careful because some some good, well-meaning and intended people say, but, but I love my job, I love my job, I love my wife, I love these good things. That's great, unless they become before God. And then you've made them into an aisle. Look at the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The name of God is holy. There is no other name than the name of what? The name of who? The name of... Okay, you don't know this one. There is no other name... Let me give you another clue. Whereby which salvation comes. There is no other name than the name of... Good. Jesus. It's a holy name. Yeshua, Savior. This Jesus is this God, man, who came to save us. And God says, don't make little of my name. Make my name great. And that's what we do when we evangelize. That's what we do when we worship. That's what we do when we show kindness by living hopeful and being helpful. We are honoring the name. We're not dishonoring the name. What's the fourth commandment say? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So under the old covenant, the Sabbath day was Saturday. We now worship on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. Why? Because that's the day Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Under the new covenant, we have a new day. When was the day when John was in the Spirit and the revelation was given to him? It was on the Lord's Day. When in Corinth did they receive the offering at the tithes of the people? It was on the first day of the week, which was the Lord's Day, Sunday, when God's people under the new covenant would rest would come together and worship God together and celebrate His grace. Why did God give us these laws? It, it was not out of retribution. <laughs> it was not out of this, you know, to, 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 to somehow punish us for it. So, I mean, God did this for His glory and our blessing. See, not only does God prescribe for us and tell us to worship Him, more than that, friends, He made it possible for us to worship Him. We're able to worship God today because of the great price He paid. It's described in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Look at this. 
Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, how can we enter into the, the, to the heavens with our hearts and minds? How is it that we can know God hears us today? How can we know that we can enter into the, uh, to God's heart so that, that who we are and what we are doing matters to Him? It's by the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us access by the new and living way. Listen, the way to God is not through dead institutional religion. It is not through a, a, a body of, of human beings and human power. It's in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's a new way because it's a, it's a new covenant and it's a living way. Why? Because having died for our sins, he's been raised. We serve a living Christ, a living Messiah, a living Savior. It is a living way because Jesus is alive. Because death could not hold him because he's God. He's God Almighty who took on flesh so that we can be redeemed. And so how we, now he's opened up that, this way for us through the curtain. So this curtain... Those of you who know your Bible, you understand in the Old Covenant, there was a curtain that separated humanity from divinity. There was a curtain that was torn, if you'll remember, from top to bottom when Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. And that curtain has now been wrenched, and now we have access to the very presence of God. And that's what he's talking about here. That is through his flesh, through the death of Jesus, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. And now, Jesus is now our high priest. We don't have a, a human being that has to make confession of their own sin. We have a high priest who has never sinned, who is now our mediator to God the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. And so now we can draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled, clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's what we've been singing about this morning. Our God is faithful. He has proven that he is a promise keeper. He promised he'd come save us, and he did. And now that he has, we're free to actually pursue and recover God's design. We understand what, what has happened in our world. Some of you, this may be new to you. See, God's design is that everything be in harmony. See, the world is not as it should be. So every time something bad happens in the world, we know it's not good, and our hearts are, are heavy because of it. Listen, my little boy's at home this morning with 102 fever, and you know what I say? The world is not as it should be. My little boy was not born to be sick. He was born to be well. This week, I, I visited a dear friend whose father passed. And you know what I told him? I said, the world is not as it should be. God didn't make us to die. He made us to live. And we all know that intuitively. And so whenever we're disappointed with what's going on in the world, it's normal and right that we would be because we were made by God's design to live in a, a world of harmony, but we don't. We live in a broken world. Why? Because of sin. Because sin entered the world. And that sin has created chaos and conflict and pain and suffering of all sorts. That's why there's sickness. That's why there's death. But God did not abandon us in that. No, no, no. God himself intervened. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. Now, in order to experience that, you know what we got to do? we got to repent. we got to turn away from trusting ourselves or some created thing. we got to believe that Jesus is God, died, has been raised. And having believed that, we can recover and pursue God's design. We can know the one true God, and we can pursue Him in worship. Worship is a crucial way in which we do that. Friends, worship is not optional. You were made to worship. The question is, who are you going to worship? What are you going to worship? 
as a redeemed saint of God, having been made holy by the blood of Jesus, you are commanded to worship God Almighty. And if you're not yet a believer, understand that God is calling you away from death. He's calling you away from brokenness. He's calling you away from emptiness of life and trying to figure out your own way and establishing your identity with a created thing that you can't keep. God wants you to have the eternal rock on which you can stand, knowing that you have been pardoned of sin, made alive with Christ, and will live for Him forever, and you can worship the one true God. And that is a gift from God. And today what we're going to learn is how it is we are to experience worship. See, God calls us to prepare, to prepare for worship, and then to prod one another on in worship. It's our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ. This little verse is going to be very helpful to me and you. Uh, when we were when we were thinking about this text and preparing it with the pastors, they said, Pastor, didn't you mean for us to include verse 25? And I thought, well, maybe I did. And so I went and looked at it, and I thought, oh, yeah, no, we're not doing that because that would be a five-hour sermon. And apparently everybody wants to go to lunch. Lightweights, I don't know what that's about. So we're just going to do one short verse, and that's for my benefit and yours, because within these two verses, these two very powerful words that we're going to focus around, there is enough to, to, to drive us to the throne of grace and to our knees, to cry to out glory, and to ask God to do a miracle in our midst. And so if you got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn it with me now to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be in verse 24. Casey Taylor is going to read for us. So Casey, come on up. Let's all stand together. Our scripture is like Casey, a little bit powerful, all right? And so uh, we're in verse 24. Casey, if you would read the scripture for us. And let us consider how to stir up another to love and good works. Word of God. Thanks be to God, Casey. It's just as powerful as you are, girl. A little bit strong. If you would go ahead and be seated, isn't she precious? I love every week having these children come up and read scripture for us. It is so, it is so much fun. And my goodness, what it's teaching them. You know, God, guys, understand, we are uh, we are all um, we're all called to worship, and we're made to worship. And it's so important that we understand how this works. See, um, what we do in worship impacts other people. I understand, we're like a radio. Boys and girls, this is a radio. How many of you all already knew what this was before I said it? Yes. I tell you what, I thought for certain that I had one of these in my home. I had to call, I had to email all the staff, all the elders, and all the deacons, and it took us a while to find one of these things. Because it's a new technology, it's a new day. So, boys and girls, this is a radio. And what happens, boys and girls, is that you have to have this antenna. There are, there are broadcast signals coming all throughout this room, and so you have to tune it in. Also, what's real important is you have to have it plugged in. See, we're like a radio. See, apart from Christ, we're dead. We're dead to the signal of what God's doing. It's not because we don't have the capacity to be loved. It's not because we don't have the capacity to worship. It's not because we don't have the, the ability to be made in the image of God to worship Him and to re- receive Him and then to broadcast Him. But see, until we plug ourselves into the power of Christ, we're dead. God brings us to life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus, we have a new power. And that power makes us alive to God so that we can tune into God. Now, what happens to us during the week is there's all kinds of other stations that the world wants us to tune into. Have you noticed that? Have you ever heard about WIFN? What's in it for me? Radio? See, a lot of people tune into that one all the time. And there's some, and what happens to me, and this happened to me this week, is there were all kinds of things coming at me. My little boy getting sick, 
car breaking down, tree falling down in the middle of my yard, and all these distractions. And I found that my soul sounded like this. <laughs> Boys and girls, that's the sound a radio makes when it's not tuned into a station. You see, when I found that I was focused on all these things that were going wrong, rather than focusing on God, you know what I found myself? I found myself getting kind of angry. I found myself getting kind of disappointed. I found myself just kind of starting to feel sorry for myself. And then I was so glad I was able to get in the Word of God. And that Word of God reminded me, oh yeah, God's still on His throne. Oh yeah, this didn't surprise God. Oh, God's got a plan for, for everything. You know what I did? I tuned in my life to the reality of what God is doing in the world. And you know what began to come out of me? Joy, hope, peace, confidence. See, what you're tuned into is what you broadcast. God is calling us to tune into Him six days a week and, and then come prepared and ready to broadcast and to, to really engage in worship. Friends, listen, worship is like a date. There is nothing worse than going out on an unplanned date. There's nothing worse than a guy, girl, husband, and wife getting in a car saying, What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? And 15 minutes later, seriously, what are you going to do? And you spent 20 bucks on a sitter, and you what are you going to do? It's just a waste. What do you need to do? Somebody's got to fix the ring. Somebody's got to plan. You know, and, 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 and you got to get ready. You know, we get ready for worship around here. The pastors and I meet on Monday to prepare what God told us to preach. Our worship team prepares what we're going to sing. We even prepare a lot of times what we're going to pray, but we often add to, to those prayer needs as the service goes along, as the day goes along. We're, we're prepared. It's kind of like a day. I remember a friend of mine in college, he wanted to date this girl, and he finally got a date with her. And he was so excited. He planned this whole thing out, what they were going to do, and, and, and he even gave her a point where she was going to get to choose, kind of, hey, would you rather do this or this? He was so excited, and he, and he came home early, and he was so bummed out. You're like, man, what happened? He goes, well, it started. I don't even think the girl showered. He said, I pulled up, and she wasn't ready. It was just like, are you kidding me? He said, I got dressed up. I was ready. He said, we went out to dinner, and I had all these things I wanted to talk to her about. She barely even looked at me. The whole time, she's just like, whatever. And I thought, you know, if this happened in our day and time, you know what she'd be doing? She'd be texting and tweeting and twittering and all that nonsense, Right. Totally not focused. And then it came to the point where he was like, okay, so, you know, I mentioned we could do this or this, and I want you to die. And you know what she said? I don't care. We said, what'd you do? So I took her home. So I'm not wasting more money on this thing. This isn't going nowhere. And he was so disappointed. And I think, you know what? How often do we do that to God? He has prepared this time for us. Are we really involved? Are we really engaged? Are we really present? Are we really in, in, involving ourselves in what He's leading us? Are we ready to respond? See, at the end of every service, I, I provide an opportunity for you to respond to what you've heard. And, and not, not all churches do that, and, and there may be Sundays when we don't do that. Sometimes I ask you to fill out a card and, and turn it, so there's lots of ways to do it. But I'm telling you, there's something significant that God, every week, wants to speak to us about. And He wants a response from us. You know what is so awful? Is when we come to worship and we don't pay attention to Him. And when it comes to make a decision, we say, well, what are you going to do? I don't know. I'm going to go eat lunch. I'm going to go do something else because my mind's been on that a whole other time. Guys, being in worship is like being on a date. God's prepared this time for us. 
and he wants us to be engaged with it. And here's what I want you to understand. What you do with this time is going to impact what other people do with this time. See, we got to prepare for this time, and we've got to, while we're here, prod others to use this time rightly. So there's, there's something each one of us individually that we must say, I am going to do this. So I want you to take note as we look at this very short but very powerful and potent scripture. Worship is better together, first of all, when I, now notice that, I, this is your responsibility, it's mine, when I intentionally do two things. First of all, prepare my soul to gather and worship. I prepare my soul. Look what it says in our text. Look at verse 24. Very important word. He says, let us consider. That word consider means to, to think thoroughly through. It's not passive, like just kind of being aware. It, it's not uh, sort of an interest, like, like I'll give it some thought. No, no. God wants us to think through our approach to this time of worship, which means we've got to prepare for it. So there's several things we need to do to prepare for it. First of all, it begins starting tomorrow for six days. We tune ourselves into the presence of God. We begin our day by acknowledging Him, praying to Him, hearing from Him in His Word, and then we work hard all day long to stay tuned in to God. Now, one of the things you need to ask yourself on the day before worship is this, am I tuned into God? Or have, been, have there been other things that have distracted me? And, and how must I now tune into God so that when I come to worship tomorrow, I'm prepared to broadcast the greatness and the glory of Him, not coming in with static. Now listen, if you come in staticky, it happens. But God it uses this time to get us dialed in and tuned in to Him. So, second thing is, you know, who will I see tomorrow that I can minister to? The way you prepare yourself is you need to be thinking, who did I see last week? Um, uh, that was new that I met. Who wasn't in worship last week? Like right now, typically y'all sit in the same seats. And I really appreciate that because it helps me preach right. I hate it when you move seats. Because you know, I don't know when I'm preaching about something, you know, I want to look you in the eye. I'm just kidding. I never do that. But sometimes I do. <laughs> but when you're going out preaching, you know, I like, and you guys sit in the same place, and that's good. I, I like that. But you, you know, you know when people that you sit there aren't there. They need to be praying for them. And when you're back the next Sunday and they've been, hey, was thinking about you. How you doing? Everything going okay? See, you're preparing who it is you're going to be talking to. You're preparing to, to minister. One of the things I love about social media, I usually hate it, but one of the things I love about social media is it gives me a way to keep up with my congregation. You know, I see some good things. Like, there's so many of you this morning. I want to have, I'm, I'm looking for some of you. I want to come and talk with you. I know I'm not going to have time, but I get excited because I tell you, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a Gabriella Sledge this morning. If you see her, give her a high five and give her a big hug because I'm going to tell you why. She won the Presidential Cherry Scholarship at Western Kentucky University. Full ride plus money in her pocket. So if you're looking to borrow some money, she's got it. She says, I got no money. She's lying. covered in it. All right. I'm so excited for her mom and dad. I want to find them. I want to hug them. I want to high five them. I want to ask them for money. And, and to see, you know, well, it, it's a great celebration. But it's not just good. It's also some bad things. Even just like last night, uh, one of you uh, put on Facebook, pray for me. We've got a situation in our home. You know, I think my wife uh, put something out about uh, praying for Asher because he's sick. And, I, you know, it gives us a way to pray for each other, to look for each other. And to connect with one another, to encourage one another. Uh, you know, the question we have is, have I invited anybody to be with me at worship? 
You know, have I been sharing Christ and praying for someone and inviting them to come and be a part of it? Now, I want you to notice uh, one of the questions we don't ask. All right? Look at this one. We don't ask this question, am I going to worship? The day you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, this became a non-question for you. Now, I understand vacation, great, work, great. But listen, if you're constantly missing church for a created thing, that created thing has taken the wrong place in your life. See, the question is not, am I going to attend worship? It's, it's who am I going to be worshiping with tomorrow? What family am I going to be looking to encourage? What friends am I inviting to come and experience what we do here? And you've got to get ready. I know some of you are last-minute people because you live in Bowling Green. But listen, friends, we've got to think better about this, all right? I know some of you, listen, you've got you to gotta think. There's, let me give you some things to think about. For instance, what you're going to wear. Believe it or not, I thought about wearing this yesterday. And the good news for me is my wife was so busy with Asher, I didn't, I didn't ask her opinion. So that's why I look like this now, right? And I'm very comfortable. I'm very cool. I thought it was going to be 70 degrees. It's going to be great. You know how many people say, well, I can't go to church. I don't hear TV. Are you kidding me? Yes, you do. You just need to plan. Plan what you're going to wear. And if you're a last-minute person can do it, great. If you're not, don't. Some of you should have planned better. Very important question. What time do I need to get up to be here on time? Heads up, this service starts at 9 30. 9.30. 9.45. What time do you need to get up to put on the clothes that you prepared to put on to be ready to broadcast and tune in to what God's doing? Some of you need to be here a little bit earlier. Be here and be ready to bring glory to God. And, and ask yourself, am I ready for this? So several things to do. Pray for the preacher. I've asked you guys on certain Sundays to pray for me because of something maybe that was going on. It's amazing how powerful those sermons turned up being. Not because I preached it well, but because the Spirit of God used it well. I shouldn't have to ask y'all to pray for me. I shouldn't ask you to pray for chapel. I shouldn't ask you to pray for the worship leaders. You should be here. As you begin, begin to worship, you need to be praying for these who are leading worship. Even if you don't know their name, pray for them. Ask God to use them. Ask God to be at work in our midst. we got to be tuned in. You gotta be tuned into God and we gotta broadcast. You gotta understand something. You're broadcasting. What you're doing is having an impact on everybody else. And so you need to understand whether you mean to or not, you're prodding other people. So write this down. Not only do we have to prepare, but second, we have to prod our church to scatter on mission. Look what it says in, in the last part of verse 24. It says, How to stir up one another to love and good works. To stir up means to, to come alongside, to sharpen, to, to uh, inspire, to, to challenge. See, here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to tune in with Him and then broadcast to Him His glory. And in so doing, stir others up. Let me give you something. You know, your singing is going to prod people one way or another. I'm going to tell you, if you're singing, and some of you sing like me, and that's why they don't give us a microphone during the time of worship, right? They turn mine off, so you'll know. I can't sing, but you know what? My father still loves it. Remember when your kids were little and they paint a picture? It's terrible. You still put it up on the refrigerator, right? It was great because it was from your kid. Listen, some of us sound like me in worship. Our father loves to hear our voice. I'm going to tell you, though, when I'm singing and you're singing, 
It says God is worthy of our praise. When we're not singing, it says something to everyone else. Well, maybe God's not worthy of praise. You know, they don't think He is. They think they're just supposed to stand there and look miserable. Is that worship? What does that communicate? You're prodding people to something. You know, I remember when I first started going to church, I went to church and I tried to distract everybody because the last thing I wanted was a relationship with God because that was really going to curb my style, right? And boy, I would try to distract the other students and they wouldn't have it. What they prodded me to do was to listen. And so when that breaking point happened in my life, I knew the truth and I was ready to accept the gospel because there were others who were prodding me, stirring me to listen, stirring me to, to, to consider what was being taught. See, when you're warm and you're welcome to other people, uh, it was amazing. I got saved in our church just a few weeks ago. And uh, I said, you know, what were the number of things he said? I know this is going to sound crazy. The first Sunday I came, I had some uh, back pain. He said, and somebody in the church saw that I was in pain. He said, hey, man, won't you come and stand up in the back? I used to have back pain like that, too. Met me, cared for me, encouraged me. And he said, you know what? I kept coming back, not because of you or because he did, but because it was the place where I was showing love. See, you're, you're prodding. You're stirring one way or the other. When you don't speak to other people, when you don't sing, when you're not engaged in listening, you're stirring other people to do the same. You see, when you come in thinking, who am I going to minister to this morning? Who am I going to stir to love and good deeds? Who is it that, that I'm going to inspire to, to sing praise to God? And not because I'm calling attention to myself, but because I'm not. Because I'm praising the one worthy. And I'm listening intently. And I'm showing Him honor. See, that inspires, that prods, that stirs other people. And so when you are praying and you're responding and you're engaged, it helps other people. You know, one of the things I love about our church, again, is at the end of the service, we typically allow, allow folks to come as we're singing a closing song to come and pray at the, at the front. Let me tell you something. That inspires other people to think, I've got this need, but I, I, I want to go down and work, I want to go down and pray, but nobody else is, so I'm not going to. Listen, some of you guys, listen, you got courage up, right? You can get on your knees and pray. Now, it's, it's not like God speaks every week. Listen, I'm thankful for the times when I've had the freedom to come and either stand or get on my knees, depending on how the knees are going. And every other day, and whether I'm going to come and ask God to do something in my life. But, but I've noticed that when others feel that freedom, there's others who, who feel engaged. Friends, we're stirring one another. What are you tuned into? What are you broadcasting? You're tuned into something. You're worshiping something. You're broadcasting something. And what God wants us to do is He wants us to consider, to think through what we're doing, to prepare, and then prod others. That is to stir them to, to do what? Look what it says. To love and good works. Every Sunday, I dismiss you and I say the same thing. I wonder, do you know what I say at the end of every worship service? It starts with live, and it ends with helpful. What do I say? Say it out loud with it again. Live hopeful, and what am I doing? I'm stirring you to love and good deeds. See, every time we worship, the way we tune into God and we broadcast His grace, it stirs others. We also stir when we don't tune in and we don't broadcast. Because we're broadcasting something, but it may be the wrong station or it may just be static, which creates confusion and not glory to God. 
So we've got to understand we worship better together when we're tuned in and broadcasting the glory of God, when we're prepared and we're prodding. And so today I want to invite you to sing praise to God. If you want to come and pray, come and pray. If you just want to praise His holy name, praise His holy name. But give your attention to Him as you're here. And understand when you're not here, it communicates a lot. I'm not going to start naming stuff, but when you miss, you know what communicates to your neighbors and to the others that see you not here? It just must not matter to them. God must not be worthy of that praise that they say He's worthy of. Sleep must be important. Something else must be more important than the God they say that has saved them from eternal sin. Friends, what we do matters. So I want to challenge you today to make God first, to understand that you're made to worship, and that you're going to worship Him and commit yourself to that. So let's stand together as we pray. Father, You are good, You are powerful, You are gracious, You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy to be worshipped. You've made it possible for us to worship You by sending Your Son to die for our sin, to be raised, and now to provide mediation as our great High Priest. Now that the Holy Spirit has brought us to life and enabled us to believe, sealed us and guided us, now we can worship You. And what a joy, what an honor, what a privilege. May we always take advantage of it to make much of You to focus on you, to tune in, then to broadcast you. Lord God, may we now sing this as a confession, broadcasting uh, your, your place in our life. And then for some who need to come and, and commit themselves to you and your place in their life, hear them. We love you, Lord. We worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen.